All right, I do want to get in the message today. Let me say, if you have not signed up yet with Kelly for this upcoming Friday and Saturday, I had the dates wrong in the announcements, please see him today. You're going to be blessed. Uh, you can help out during the day on Friday and then on Saturday, even earlier that day, Kelly could use some help. And then that night to be there to minister to these kids and love on them, you will be blessed. So Kelly, would you stand up? Turn around so everybody can see your face, and please see him for all of the arrangements, and he'll give you some more times and all of that. It's going to be a great time. You will be blessed. You'll leave there more blessed than those kids, so let's get behind this church and just really love on them and, and uh, show them a good time. All right, I want to get in the message. I understand this, this series is a little bit more somber than some, but it's going to cause us to think through our life in many ways. And it's going to make the days that we have more valuable to us and we get more out of those, that time that God has given us. So the title of this series has been 21 Days to Eternity. And the premise is this. What would you do? How would you live if you only had 21 days more to live? If you were told that you only had 21 days what would look different in your life? What would be your priorities? So last week, we talked about the top three. And I hope you wrote those down. What would be your top three things? What would they, those three things that you would make a priority to take care of before you breathe your last on this earth? And we learned that the, one of the, the, the top, the number one, should be your relationship with God. And we looked at how to live a God-first life. So if you missed last week, go back to the Facebook page or the YouTube channel and watch that. It will, um, it, it will help you in life. And, and these are things that we all need to be reminded of. So um, go back and watch that. But today, uh, the, I want to jump into the message today. Before I do that, I forgot to say thank you, Drew. Wow. Some people uh, sneeze and they don't come to church for about three weeks. And Drew lost a kidney and came to church. And, uh, and man, and uh, to lead worship sitting down, I mean, you had the whole Glenn Campbell thing going on and still was able to bring in God's presence with your team. Thank you. Appreciate you and your team. Thank you all. Psalms 90, 12 is our series text. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. I have lacked a heart of wisdom before, haven't you? As a matter of fact, I didn't even have a kidney of wisdom, Drew. I didn't have some wisdom, and, and the Lord helps us with that. And one of the ways the Scripture says that we can gain some understanding, some smarts, if you will, is to think about our life on earth, earth, how brief it is. Uh, so today's title is 14 days to eternity. You already spent seven last week. How did it go for you? <laughs> so we're down to 14 days today. And for the person who has not put God first in their life, they should be giving a lot of thought about eternity. You know, I told you last week that I asked a few people who were Christians, what would they do if they only had 21 days to live? And none of them said, get my life right with God. None of them said, oh, I, I better spend some more time in prayer. 
Now, surely they may when it really comes down to it. I think I would really, God check me out really good now, I really, uh, even though I do it all the time. But none of them were worried about where they were going. They were worried about who they would be leaving. But for the, for the non-Christian, for that person that doesn't have eternal peace, they should think about their eternity. Today, you may not need this message, but I pray that you will take good notes because I believe you will have an opportunity to share the principles of this message with someone else who needs to know God and who needs to make sure their eternity is secure. This is an important message. Maybe not so much for you. Maybe you've already got it settled. But listen. And you be the carrier of this message to someone else that you know and love and that you want to make sure they are right when their eternity comes up for them. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your faithfulness. I do thank you, Lord, for this church. Lord, you are in control. We see the evidences of that. Thank you for guiding us these 10 years. And thank you for what you've got planned for the next. It's bigger than we can imagine. I thank you for these wonderful people here that selflessly serve, that are so easy to pastor because their hearts are pointed toward you. Thank you for the multitudes, the hundreds, and even thousands of people that you will bring throughout this church, through this ministry, and they will have an eternity with you forever, and we get to be a part of that. What a privilege. Now, Lord, speak to our hearts. Church, would you pray this with me? Lord, speak to my heart. Change my life. In Jesus' name, amen. We do welcome everybody watching online. We're trying to make the online experience even better, but only to get you to want to come. We want you in the seats in the house, amen. But can we give it up for everybody watching online? If you haven't noticed, we now have a different camera, and we're going to be working on lighting, so we're spending some resources to be able to just to make that better, but... We just don't want you to stay home in your pajamas now. We want you to come to church. It's good there, but it's better here. Amen? All right. Now, let me preach a little bit. So, like our creator, we are eternal beings. And also, like our creator, we are triune beings. We are body, soul, and spirit. The way I like to say it is that I am spirit, you are spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body. And the Bible teaches us that our spirit and soul will live forever. Our body will not. It will return to dust. And when we do die, we step into eternity. Eternity is hard for us to comprehend. It never ends. Our mind cannot compute that. There, are, there is no end. There is no beginning. God has been eternal from the beginning where there is no beginning. Well, Pastor, I just can't understand that. When did God begin? He's always been. And we cannot understand that, and he will always be. Well, you and I have not always been, but we will always be. There is an eternity, and the Bible teaches us there are only two places for eternity. 
There is heaven and then there is hell. There is no in between. We don't come back as kittens. We are human beings that are, are spirit beings more than human beings. And when we lose this life on earth, we will be completely spirit beings. Jesus talking about the difference, he said it, and I read it last week, Matthew 25, 46. He said, they, those who have not made him Lord, will go away to eternal punishment. But the righteous, those who have made him Lord, to eternal life. I'm not sure what it will look like in heaven. What The Bible gives us some description of heaven, but it doesn't say a lot about what my life will look like personally, what your life will look like on an individual basis. But there are some things that it does say that I want us to take a look at this morning. So what does life look like in heaven's eternity? If you're taking notes, you can write down this one. The first thing that we, can, that we can learn from the Bible is that you will have a new body. Hallelujah, praise the Lamb. A new body. First Corinthians says this, But someone will ask, How are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps, of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed, he gives his own body. Baby, you like all this now? You just wait. Woo! It's going to be better. <laughs> She's holding out hope. So it will be, verse 42 says, with the resurrection of the dead, the body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. You ready? It is raised a spiritual body. Can't you, don't you want that new body? Now, I like to speculate. I like to think through things. So, I mean, what will I look like? Huh? What, what will we look like? And the Bible does not tell us. Some will speculate that it will be at the prime part of your life, that when you were in the best health. That really doesn't make sense to me because we're going to be whole there without sickness or disease. But if that was me, I want to be 19 again. What about it, somebody? <laughs> I, I think it very well could be that we look like the person that we were when we first accepted Christ and received new life. That makes sense to me. But in that case, I will look like I was when I was eight years old. So I don't know what my body will look like. The scripture is not clear. But it will be wonderful. It will be whole. I believe we'll have some resemblance of who we are because God don't create no junk. He doesn't 
regret what he makes. And we are all created by him. He made us just the way we are. So I believe there will be some resemblance of our earthly body, but I could be completely wrong about that. They did not recognize Jesus in the garden after he was raised from life, I mean from death into his new life. So I don't know, but it's going to be good. Don't you? Do you want your new body? I won't mind. It can't come fast. Well, yes, it can. Let me slow down a little bit, Lord. (laughs) Yeah, wait a minute. We can wait a little while. Uh All right, the the second thing the Bible teaches us this. It's okay to have a good time on this heavy subject, right? It's going to get a little heavier in a minute. But we're talking about heaven. The second thing is this. You will have your senses. You will have your senses. In heaven, we will have spiritual senses, of course, instead of physical senses. And I believe, this is my speculation, but they will be um, similar except enhanced. The Bible says that we will know as we are known. So we will, we will have knowledge and we will have senses. We know in heaven that we will taste because the Bible says we are invited to the marriage Supper of the Lamb, amen, and it's going to be wonderful. I believe we will be able to eat in heaven. I will, uh, we know that we will be able to see and speak and hear and feel. Why? Because we will experience the fullness of God's glory, and we will respond to that uh, glory of God. Revelation 7 says this, after this I looked. And there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. There's that touch. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. It's going to be so fun to see those people that are so solemn in church. I mean, they're the ones that I want to see waving palm branches and, scra- and shouting at the top of their voices. We will because we will see God's glory. So we will have our senses in heaven. Number three is this. You will have a memory. You will have a memory. And there is a scripture that I think that we could pull from that says that. Somebody said, I don't have it right now, much less. Revelation 7, 17 says this. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Now that speaks of a memory or memories. Discouragement, disappointments, maybe of regret. I believe, though, There will be more tears shed in heaven for loved ones that we do not see there. That that family member that you have, that child that you have, you tell them, don't make me cry in heaven. What do you mean, mama? What do you mean, daddy? Because if I don't see you there, I will cry. And the Bible does say there will be tears in heaven, but God will wipe them away. He will remove the sorrow from those memories. Only he can do that. 
I don't know how he will do it, but he will do it. And we will have memories. We will be able to recognize those that have gone before us. Think about that. Won't it be such a great time to be with your loved ones that were in Christ who went on before you? When you know that you're with them now forever and you don't, you don't have to sit by a, a sick bed anymore. You don't, have to, you don't have to go through all of the heartaches that maybe you've experienced. Uh, that you have, you have a perfect, it's, it's family reunion where the chicken is fried. Come on. Good stuff. And you never have to say goodbye anymore. One of my favorites is this. One thing that we know about heaven is number four. You will worship. You will worship. Did you know that we were created to worship? Everyone worships something. There is, there is, it's put in us to worship. And because of our sinful nature and because of the enemy that we have that wants to steal God's worship, that many people worship things other than God, but everybody worships something. But in heaven, we will be able to give God worship without the distractions of sinful nature. Isn't that going to be wonderful? That we will see, you know, the scripture says that in the end, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, those in heaven, on earth, and below the earth. Is God going to make them do that? No. He's just going to reveal himself in all of his glory. And the natural reaction will be, oh, God, you are great. He's not going to make people worship him. It's going to be the response when they see him in all of his glory. But we get to do it with a new body, not worried about the sinful nature, not being hindered about the, the, our emotions, our, our regrets, our past failures. That will be removed and we'll have true worship that we can offer the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I think I might have mentioned this already, but during the funeral for Queen Elizabeth, I watched in all of the pomp and circumstance. It was just amazing. And the people that waited for hours just to be able to view the casket and, and the, the sacrifice, but they wanted to show respect and honor. And I sat there and I saw that and I was grieved in my spirit because I thought about the king of kings, how we treated him while he was on this earth. And he took upon our sin and he became our sacrifice and he died. His possession was carrying his own cross up to a hill to be brutally murdered for me and you. And we spit on him and they pulled out his beard. That was our king. But he's coming back, and he will have all the attention he deserves. And as his children, we'll be able to be there giving him the glory and the honor that he is due. Amen? Look at the glimpse of heaven. Revelation 19 says this, Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude like the roar of rushing waters and with loud peals of thunder shouting. This is, this is not, uh, this is the sound coming from the people. Hallelujah, 
for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. That's me and you. Fine linen, bright and clean, was giving her the word. We didn't earn it. He gave it. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. If you've had the Holy Spirit knock on the door of your heart, pointing you through to a Savior, be so thankful. The Bible says that we cannot come to the Lord when we choose. That without the Spirit drawing us, we cannot come. But He wants to draw everyone, and everyone, I believe, has an opportunity. He doesn't want any to perish. So it's so important. If the Lord is not the Lord of your life and you feel a prick in your heart, a knocking on the door, a, a pull, don't resist. That's an opportunity for the king of glory to move into your life, to settle your eternity forever. Amen. Number five is this. You will rule and reign. Now, that's wonderful. The scripture says it. I don't have to, though. I'll be fine sitting up under that bacon tree. Amen? <laughs> but I believe we'll have duties to do and jobs to perform, and it won't be like work here. We will rule and reign. Second Timothy says this. Here is a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. Isn't that so humbling that we will be able to reign in some form with the king of kings? To reign is a, um, I wrote, wrote it down. Let me look at my, uh, my notes. I want to get it right. To reign is to hold a royal office. And that makes sense since we're children of the king, of, of God most high. Let me say it that way. So we get to have a royal office. The scripture does say this. I don't know what it's going to look like. But Paul said this in 1 Corinthians. Do you not know that we will judge angels? Wow. Heaven is going to be so wonderful. You will love living there. This is the life that Jesus has already purchased for you. However, there is another eternity. And because we believe in the full gospel, I have to mention hell. What will life look like in hell's eternity? There's a few things that the scripture mentions that we can be sure of. The first one is this. You will experience torment. Mark 9, this is what Jesus says, warning people 
to make the right choice to choose him. He says this, if your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell. Where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where the, worm, the worms that eat them do not die. And the fire is not quenched. He had me at fire, but when, he, when he's talking about some worms now, that we don't understand it, we do, that do not die. What will that look like? It's beyond description. The Bible talks about hell as being in complete darkness, but yet there's fire. You would think there would be light from the fire, but I see that as an eternal darkness of soul. A place, the scripture says, that there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Just like heaven will be pleasures beyond our imagination, hell will be torment beyond our imagination. I have often wondered what the sounds of hell would be like. I think it would be more frightening than the worst horror movie anyone would watch. In hell, you will experience torment. The second thing that we can be sure of, in hell, you will have your senses. You will not have your physical senses because your earthly, fleshly body will be dead. But likewise, you'll have spiritual senses, and they will, I believe, be more enhanced. When Jesus talked about the rich man and Lazarus, it says Lazarus, Lazarus went to paradise. The rich man went to Hades, or hell. And it said in hell, he saw Lazarus. He asked for Lazarus to bring water just enough just to touch his tongue is all the relief he could even ask for. He couldn't even believe for anything greater than that. Torment was so bad, that's the greatest he could think of is just touch my tongue with a tip of water. So that torment he felt. You will hear the screams of those being tormented. The rich man in hell said, please send Lazarus to my father's house. Because I have brothers there. I don't want them to come here. I believe the greatest prayer meeting you will ever hear or uh, that could ever be prayed is in hell right now. I believe if we could drop this mic into the portals of hell, I believe you would hear prayers that would make us feel like we're not even praying at all. Intensity. You will feel the flames of fire, but you will not die. 
you will smell the smells of hell. I don't know what all that's going to be like, but the Bible does talk about burning sulfur, which is really tough. I believe the worst torment, though, of hell is the next one. Number three, you will have a memory. You will also have memory in hell. How can I, how why do I think that? The scripture says, the rich man again, let me read it to you, Luke 16. He asked for help, but Abraham replied, son, remember, in your lifetime you received the good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted, comforted here and you are in agony. That memory, I believe we will remember every opportunity that we were given to receive Christ. I believe it will play over and over again in our mind. The times that we said, no, I'm going to do my own thing, I believe that is going to haunt us and be some of the greatest torment in hell. We will remember the bad things that we've done. We will remember all the good people that God sent our way to bring us to him. We will remember. Then finally, number four, you will have no way of escape. You know, the Eagles sang it back in the 70s. Hotel California, which I don't listen to that. That's got a power over that song. I don't want to be, I don't want to be a part of. But they do say you can check out, I mean you can check in anytime you like, but you just can't never leave. Eternal torment. It's hard for us to mentally grasp. I get it, but it doesn't change the truth of its existence. If God's word says it, it is real and true and will happen. Second Thessalonians says, When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. So when does all of this begin? When does eternity begin? It's already begun. Eternity for mankind began when God created time. There are people today living in heaven's eternity. And there are people today living in hell's eternity. When does eternity begin for you and me? Only the Lord knows. Back when many of us were living in for the devil, I, I, we don't understand how close we came to eternity back then. And God, like with the fig tree, said, give them a little bit more time. I think they're going to come around and have life and bear fruit. Don't let them be, be taken yet. 
Your life today determines the eternity you will live. And again, this message may not, you might already have your eternity taken care of and you're on your way to heaven and you're not concerned about where you're going, you're concerned about who you're leaving behind. And because of that, please take these notes and give them to somebody else. The good news today is this. God today still allows U-turns. If the Holy Spirit moves on your heart, he's saying, make a U-turn. You can do it. There is coming a time that no U-turns will be the law. When you breathe your last, you will not be able to make a U-turn then. The good news is Jesus still saves today. His spirit is moving on you. You, you might have said no so many times before. But if today you're feeling this pull toward God, please say yes. God is saying you can make a U-turn today. You don't have. Did you know the scripture says that there will be some who will be snatched from the fire? Snatched. They were headed that way. I've heard of preachers going into deathbed uh, situations, somebody fixing to breathe their last, and they would be screaming, I feel the flames on my feet. But thankfully, God is so gracious that even at the last moment, many times, He will give a person an opportunity. Well, Pastor, I'll just wait for then. You are a better gambler than I am. I want to give you these again, and maybe I really feel like in a room like this, we probably all need to take our eternity a little bit more serious in many ways, not be so consumed with the dust of this earth. That's what everything will be, right? And I want to give you this. This is so good for you to have in your arsenal to win people, to snatch them from the fire. It's called the ABCs of salvation. And just because it sounds simple don't mean it's not fantastic. It's something that you can use to lead someone to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. The first one is this. You probably already know many of you. Admit you are a sinner. All have sinned, the scripture says, and have fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone needs a Savior. You got to first, before you want to be saved, to know that you are on your way to hell. It's not the hell that God designed for you. It's for, devil, for the devil and his demons. But because of sin, sin separates us from God. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. But God had a plan. He sent Jesus so we can make that U-turn. You've got to first know you're headed in the wrong direction and you need Jesus. Then number two, B is for believe. Believe Jesus was the sacrifice for your sins. It was for my sins. 
Yeah, the Roman soldiers nailed him to the cross. But it was my sin that put him there. My sins past, my sins present, and thank the Lord, my sins in the future are covered already by his precious blood. John 3, we know 16, good verse, we, most people know that, good verse to reference. Let's read it, we're going to go to 17 and 18 also. Let's say 16 together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life, 17, let's read it. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him, verse 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they, are not, they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. You must believe he is your Savior sent for you out of great love for you. And then C is confess Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Confess him as your Savior and Lord. When you confess him, let me read the scriptures, Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. God's got your heart. He's going to get your actions, right? And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So I understand my congregation, and like I said, I understand that many of us have heard messages. I will not take it for granted that all of us have given our hearts to the Lord. Only he knows that. This is the area I really want us to be able to have information to help others, us that have, we're not worried about where we're going. We're just concerned about ones that we're going to leave. But there is a matter of prayer that the Lord just spoke into my spirit as I was preaching this message. I'm going to set it up just real fast. It's sort of a funny story. won't take long to get to where I'm going. About five years ago, some of my precious congregants played a trick on me as their pastor. I see some of the evil glare in their eyes at me now. <laughs> and we were at a youth thing the church was doing, and uh, Rhonda Ash, sweet, innocent Rhonda Ash, they talked her, I, I know they had to talk her into it. She would not have done it unless she was coaxed by evil. And they... I, uh, I think Katie came and got me out of the out of the room I was in and said, you need to pray for Rhonda. I was like, what? And I ran, ran out to where they were, and uh, it was Rhonda and um, Caitlin and Katie. I thought Sarah was a part of it. I'm so sorry, Sarah. I'm still asking her to forgive me today. But I, she had, Rhonda had a nail stuck through her foot with blood all around it. Unbeknownst to me, it was ketchup, and the nail was drip, was in between her two toes, where it looked like it was in her foot. And I didn't know what to do. We were way out in Roosevelt, and I said, I don't know. I don't know whether to pull her foot out of it. They say leave if there's something stuck and you leave it there till the paramedics get there. 
And I said, I don't know. Let's just pray. And then my sweet sister-in-law said, oh, no, 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 don't pray. The conviction fell then. But I told them then when I realized that it was a joke, I said, okay, so maybe, maybe next week, maybe next month, maybe next year or years to come, I will get you back. I want you to know about three Sundays ago was redemption time. After five years, they thought I forgot. I, call, I saw Katie in the back. I said, Katie, do you know Andre Benzil? Andre Benzil is a prophet. We'll eventually have him come. And I've shared a couple of times where when he tells you something, the Lord told him. She goes, no, I don't know him. I said, okay. So I baited her a little bit. Then right before service, I said, Katie, come here. I need to see you. Uh, I knew Kate, uh, Caitlin, and I thought Sarah was a part of the little evil scheme. So I said, Sarah, come on. And, and I went back to the back. We found Rhonda sitting up in the nursery. And I said, and I said okay, got something that's really unusual for y'all. Uh, Andre Vinzil, y'all heard me talk about him. They're like, mm-hmm. he's the prophet. And I had an emotional unusual call this week. He said, do you, have, uh, do you have these people in your church? Do you have a Rhonda and a Katie and a Caitlin? And a Sarah in your church? And I told him, I was like, yeah, we do. And I said, he said this. He said, "Uh, all I've heard is these words, dark doors. (laughs) And Katie said, let me get a seat. I got to sit down on this one. (laughs) And I said, I said, he said, do you know what that means? I said, I don't know. Andre, but I'll, I'll ask them. So I'm asking y'all now. Do y'all know what dark doors mean? And Katie said, uh, it sounds like going to hell. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I said, I don't know. And uh, I told him, there's only one other thing he said. He said, revenge. <laughs> I said, huh? Yeah, because you tricked your pastor five years ago. <laughs> oh. I don't know if that was a funny story and a trick, but I do want to make sure nobody has any dark doors open. Are you saying you're not a Christian? I'm not saying that you don't love God. Pastor, what is dark doors? Dark doors are those things that we know are disobeying God. We know there's nothing good on the other side, but we've left the door open anyway. You hear me? God told Cain, if you do what's right, you'll be accepted. But if you do not... He said, sin is crouching at your door, and it desires to have you. We have too much work as children of God to be playing around with foolishness that we know is not going to profit us anything. And worse, it could really harm us or somebody that we love. If you know it's not bringing you closer to the Lord, you should not even be stepping that way. Would you stand?
Would you bow your head? And let's just ask the Lord to show us. Is there anything, Lord? Anything? You've already told me, but I'm asking now. I said, it's okay before. But if you'll tell me, I'll listen. I justified it then, but God, if you're telling me again, I'll listen. And I'll repent. I want to be effective in this hour that I'm living in. I don't know how much time I have. It may be 21 days. It may be 21 hours. None of us know. And if there's something that the Lord is showing you that is not for your good, it may not be a gross sin. Don't try to label it that way. If the Lord is showing you it's not beneficial to you and it's time to close the door, So let's just repent. Ask him to show us. Lord, show me. Lord, I'm asking myself, show me. Is there anything? Maybe it's a series that I'm watching. I just can't get enough of it. But I know it's not planting good seeds in my life. Maybe it's the movies that I'm seeing. I know it's not the best for me. Be careful because that first little voice you'll hear is, well, brother, you're not perfect. And what that voice is saying is, I don't want you to mature in Christ. None of us will never be perfect, but we sure can be mature, can't we? And we can strive for holiness. You say, Pastor, I feel like the Lord is showing me something. I want to deal with it this morning, and I am. Would you just raise your hand? No shame. I'm going to deal with this today. Yes, yes, no shame, yes. You can put your hand down. I'm going to allow him to free me from, I'm going to slam the door today. Anyone else? Thank you, God. Thank you. You're in the forgiving business. You're in the U-turn business. Thank you for that. Church, let's pray it together. And if you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life, oh, and if he's knocking on your heart, don't you dare turn him away. Receive Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me so much that you gave your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins I'm a sinner I need a savior would you forgive me of all my sins would you come into my heart would you change my life and I'm going to do my best to live for you in Jesus name amen head still bow just for a moment I made Jesus my Lord today. I put him first. Is that you? Would you raise your hand? Anyone? I made Jesus first today. Thank you, Jesus. No shame, no shame. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for those that repented today. God, I'm asking for all of us that you would give us a fresh revelation of eternity. Lord, how great it's going to be. And Lord, I'm asking at the same time you would give us a burden for those that are not ready. We are eternal beings, and you want us all with you. Those, Lord God, that are not ready, give us an opportunity. If God gives you an opportunity this week, will you take it? If you will, would you raise your hand? I will take it. My hand is raised. I will take it, Lord. Lord, we're saying you can give us that opportunity. We will obey, and I know you will. I believe you will. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Doesn't it feel good to be right with God?
come on, doesn't it feel good to have your sins forgiven? Man. I tell the Lord, I, I, I ain't worried about where I'm going. I just worry about how I get there. I'd rather just go ahead and do it in my sleep one night. I wake up. Wouldn't that be pretty awesome? If I could just tell Patty goodnight, baby. And then I wake up, I'm in heaven. That's my preferred way of transporting. <laughs> She's she going to beat me to it. So good to be saved. Allow the peace of the Lord to be yours. Allow the joy of your salvation to give you strength. And those opportunities that God is going to give, you're his instrument. He will anoint it, proclaim it, okay? And let me bless you. Would you raise your hand? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Have a great Sunday, everyone.